Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome, everybody, to another recap and review for the Geek Buddies. Well, some of you saw us on social media. We got to go see Spider-Man Far From Home a little bit earlier than some of you. So we decided we would do a non-spoiler review and then a spoiler review. So if you're listening to this one now, this is a non-spoiler review. We're at the bar after we're after the uh, screening here at we the are Grove. At, we are at Mixology above Mixology. the candy store at the Grove. It That's is lovely. Right. Come check it out. Definitely. The overpriced candy below us. Um, what can I say to you all except, hello, my name is John Roga. I'm a voiceover artist, writer, producer, and host of things at Collider. Vogel. Uh, I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and film and a big Spider-Man fan. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you might have seen me on Heart of Dixie, oh. Scandal, and Teen Wolf. Heart of Dixie with the lovely... Blabbity. Rachel Bilson. Rachel Bilson. Oh, and I meant to tell you guys, I remembered last week after we were talking about my inability to just say O.J. Simpson without right. adding Simpsons, the S's. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was shooting Heart of Dixie, because yeah. my scene was with Rachel Bilson, and I was supposed to be like, Heart! And I kept saying Hearts. Hearts. I remember the director came up and was like, so her last name is Hearts. Oh. Not Hearts. Or it's heart, not yeah, heart. You just heart. did it again. So you just did it as you're telling the story. You yeah. did it. Yeah. So apparently this is an issue that I've had for a while, but it's only just come to light. Wow. You should see somebody about this. It's I, really serious. Yeah, I need to see a specialist about many things. Legitimate concern. Legitimate concern. But we're not here to talk about that, and we're here to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home, the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, featuring a returning cast of Tom Holland, Zendaya. Is that right? Am I saying it right? So Zendaya or Zendaya? I think, I think it's Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, I think so. And uh, uh, directed by John Watts again. Uh, we get Tony Revolori coming back as well as Flash Thompson. Uh, we get Ned. I always forget that actor's name. Jacob uh, Batalone. Oh, there you go. B- who plays Batalone? Ned. Uh, we get Martin Starr coming back. A little bit of J.B. Smoove action, collecting a paycheck. Uh, and the big, big villain is Jake Gyllenhaal as, as what's... Mysterio. As Mysterio. Some of you may know from the comics as Quentin Beck. Um, all right. So first uh, thoughts. Anybody want to go first? Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I was so happy. I, I was already. I mean, I think we talked about this in our summer movie previews, and we talked about it when the trailer broke. Like, I was very, very excited for this movie, and I think it delivered on every single level that I was hoping for. Mm. Um, if you're a fan of Spider-Man: Homecoming, and if you have been a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, everything leading up to Endgame, either way, this movie is. A great follow-up to both Endgame and Homecoming. Right, because this is the end of Phase 3. Yes. And, and uh, Feige said this a few times and confirmed it right before the movie, or uh, last week rather, uh, confirmed that this is the end of the Phase 3 as we walk into Phase 4. 
Um, Shannon, what did you think about this as an ending, as a film, and then also as an ending to the phase? Uh, the film I thought was fan fantastic. Okay. I mean, Spider-Man: Homecoming. I was like, oh yeah, I like that. I didn't love it like everyone else did, ah, but I really liked interesting. it. This one I loved. Okay. And the way that Ant-Man and the Wasp is sort of like the palate cleanser after Infinity War, to me, this is the palate enhancer oh, in yeah. terms of the, the Marvel... Palette enhancer. Palette enhancer. I, like I just came up with that. <laughs> Hashtag. In terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, it built upon what was established in yeah. Endgame and gave us a really, really neat roadmap of where the MCU and Spider-Man is headed. Yeah, I have to say that I like this film, but I found myself... Just like sitting back and watching something that I'm enjoying. But I didn't find myself being like riveted or jumping out of my seat for a lot of things. I found myself just sitting back and enjoying the film and being pressed, impressed by what I was watching. I still feel my initial reaction is I still enjoy Homecoming more than this film. But this film is a fantastic sequel. And we were saying this after we were done with the film. We were talking amongst ourselves before we started recording. Uh, this is a better sequel as a as a a uh, standalone franchise in the Marvel universe than some other sequels have been in the past, and so I think that speaks volumes about the film. I think the film shows us a really great journey that Peter Parker goes on uh, as he embraces being Spider Man and what it means in a post Tony Stark world. So I enjoyed that a yeah, lot. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think that I ultimately I think I like Homecoming a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Only because it was the first one, and the way it sort of reestablished Peter Parker was great. And I honestly don't think you can beat... There's a lot of surprises in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think anything can beat that moment when Michael Keaton opens the door, uh, and you realize that he's Liz's dad in Homecoming to me. I mean, right. that, that I screamed. I yeah. screamed in the movie theater. Um, or but, even the moment when he sees him in the rearview mirror. Yeah, When exactly. he realizes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there, you know, I, I feel like Homecoming had some big things in there. But I think everything that they established about the world of Spider-Man, yeah. they carried through this. And I, I understand what you're saying when you say you sort of sat back. But I thought I, I looked at that as a positive. Yeah. Like, I don't think that I, no at any point in this movie, was like, oh, shit. The world is going to end. Like I didn't have that Infinity Endgame feeling, or even like that Civil War yeah. uh, kind of like the 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 gravitas. But I also think that that's what makes the spy this Spider-Man franchise in the MCU so great. It's so funny, yeah, and it's so charming. And the ensemble cast, the students, the other you know the other students in his class, like everyone is so much fun that I did kind of sit back and just take it all in, but in a great way. I just had a stupid cheesy smile on my face for the entire movie. I think that's one of the gifts of this kind of, of this Spider-Man is that it really evokes that charming Spider-Man, funny Spider-Man that we know from the comics. As much as Toby tried and Andrew Andrew rarely captured it, but certainly Toby had his moments where he captured it. It's really brought home I like by Tom Andrew Holland. more than Toby. Okay. I'm just going to tell you. All right. Well, I think Andrew Garfield is a better Spider-Man where I think Toby Maguire was a better Peter Parker. Well, that's fair. And then okay. I mean, I think Tom Holland's a better both, so we can agree. all agree on agree. that. Agree. We can all agree on that. But what did you? What do you think about what Michael said? Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of the sequels, yeah. I mean, this to me, this is up there with Winter Soldier and wow. Ragnarok. Wow, well, that is I a mean, strong, strong statement. But also, I'm a bit more. I think the spectacle hits me more than I think it hits you guys. Like, I think you that guys is true. obviously really enjoy the spectacle. Yeah, yeah. But the spectacle well, of you're this... you're an action writer. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, the spectacle of this was so much more impressive to me than the spectacle of And Homecoming. I agree with that. Like, I would say that... Sure. 
I am a more emotional writer, and so a lot of the emotion in the first in Homecoming really appealed to me. By the way, there's a ton of emotion in this movie too, really so I'm is. not saying there's a lack of it. Uh, but yes, if you are looking for visuals, if you're looking for action set pieces, if you're looking for a villain that does things in a way you've never seen a villain do before, Mysterio really delivers in a way that the Vulture did not, for sure. I think that's I think that's true. Well, it just and he delivered differently. He delivered differently because the again the emotional components of. Uh, Michael Keaton's yeah. character versus the spectacle. Don't worry, Go, you keep Sorry, <laughs> the spectacle. We're having a little wire tangle <laughs> yeah, here, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> very exciting these, here these in the uh, lovely mixology. I mean, go. I still thought the emotional resonance of Mysterio worked really well. Sure, uh, for me at least. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, when I say that I feel that Homecoming has some bigger emotional things, I'm not trying to take away like th- this movie was fantastic. It was firing on all cylinders for me. Absolutely. Well, I think you. I think there's not a fan that's going to walk into there and not compare it to Homecoming. It may, just makes sense. I do think what you're saying about the sequels is really interesting because mm-hmm. what I think I think that the Captain America movies are the best sequels in the Marvel Universe. Agreed. And I think that's because they're not just sequels to Captain America. Oh, good point. Both Civil, but both uh, C- Civil America, both Winter Soldier and Civil War, <laughs> which is what we need um, now—a Civil America. Yeah, Civil America. A, we, we would like a Civil America. Uh, hopefully, we'll get there. Maybe. But no, I um, I think that both um, Winter Soldier and Civil War are sort of sequels to the Marvel Universe. Right. Which Whereas, is a great like point. Iron Man two, Thor two, some of these other sequels are just very they're very tied to just that one franchise. Yeah, Captain yeah. America is the most Marvel of the Marvel cinematic universe. But I think spite as much as in the world of the MCU Peter Parker is sort of inheriting Tony Stark's role. Yeah. I think that as far as the way the movies work, Spider-Man is clearly inheriting Captain America. His movies move the entire MCU forward. That's a great point. Uh in a way that the other franchise's sequels do not. Certainly. Particularly, especially this movie, well, even more than Homecoming. And we're not going to spoil anything, but absolutely. I think Michael's absolutely right. This feels like, even though it, ha- it's, it has a dearth of, of characters from the MCU that show up into it, it is so ingrained into the MCU uh, with some of the things that occur in the movie that you're like, oh, well, okay, this is, this is not just a sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. This is a sequel to everything which and, makes sense since it ends a phase and I think this is okay to say even as a non-spoiler thing because okay. it's kind of pulled from the trailers but I would say that one of the things I enjoyed a lot about this movie mm. is that um, I think Tony Stark is a major character in this movie yeah well you know, yeah. I think I think it's fair like to say like he is in the trailer you're right yeah I think it's fair to say that the the shadow of Tony Stark the shadow of Iron Man just as you saw in the later trailers that came out post Endgame the movie, that's not just a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really tied to what makes this movie work, and that's tied to a lot of the emotion that really makes this movie work. Like, yeah. it really, that's, that's Peter's arc in the movie, and it's very strong. Yeah. Shannon, what did you think about Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio, overall, his overall performance? Fantastic. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan, and now to see him use, like, you know, he... he took his time in terms of mm. picking superhero projects. Like yeah. he's a guy that has been on I imagine DC and Marvel's radar for a while. Like well, there were rumors about him being Spider-Man way right. back when. Way back when. Yeah. And there were also rumors about him being Batman way right. back when. Yes, true. I mean and true. even recently with Matt Reeves yeah, yeah, before yeah. he signed on to this. Um, I thought they used Joan Hall 
perfectly. And whatever you think you're going to get going in to watch this movie is not what you get. Yeah. What did you think, Mike? I thought I agree with everything Shannon said. I think they've done such an amazing job. I mean, it's almost like Kevin Feige and Marvel. It's like it's almost like they're trying to like stick it to everybody else. <laughs> like everyone else, when they're bringing their superhero movies, they're trying to bring their A game, and they're like, guys, we're going to take Spider-Man, and we're going to make the Vulture and Mysterio awesome. We got Michael Keaton. We got Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And Great point. they're nailing it. I mean, yeah. these villains are interesting and dynamic, and a lot of it is... Look, a lot of it is in the writing. A lot of it is in the way that they are sort of recreating these characters for the the, the this version yeah. of the Spider-Man universe. But as much as Michael Keaton brought to the Vulture, Jake Gyllenhaal is bringing that, if not more, yeah. to what he does as Mysterio. And you know what? Two movies in. I mean, granted, Spider-Man's only two movies in in terms of his own films. Mm-hmm. He his films are producing the best villains. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you think about that, I mean, look, we we. We have our Thanoses, we have our Lokis. Like, there's a couple standouts in the Marvel Universe, but I think one of the... Yeah, Killmonger, absolutely. But I think one of the biggest critiques over the past 10 years, as much as we all love the MCU, is the villains sometimes... Yeah. Eh. And we're two for two now with Spider-Man. They're essentially the mirror reflection of the hero. So it's not as... Even Killmonger, as great as he was, was essentially another version of Black Panther turned evil. So, okay, where do we go with that? But yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's really gutsy of them to do it this way because they're building to Doc Ock. Like, Doc Ock is the one, right? Would you say that's his Joker? I think, no, that's Green Goblin. You think, it's oh, Norman right, Osborne. I'm sorry, I Goblin. Don't I don't know, though. You know what's so funny? It's I like, like Doc Ock more I, than Green Goblin. Look, I love Norman Osborn. I love the Green Goblin in the comics. Yeah. I don't think he's ever been right in the movies or anything like that. I agree but, with you completely. Uh, they're on such a great arc with this sort of new version of Peter Parker as Tony Stark's sort of like chosen guy and whatever. It's like, I almost am like, if we had to go through a whole Green Goblin arc, I'm kind of like, ah, you guys, I'd be fine if you skipped it. Yeah, I'd be fine. Too. I mean, give me give me these B-list and C-list villains and make them awesome for five more movies, and I don't even need a Norman Osborn. Well, there are rumors about the fact that that may be what uh, Avengers Tower or Star- Stark Tower becomes is Norman Osborn's place or possibly uh, for the Fantastic Four. Well, now I just took it all the back. Baxter Building. Everything I just said, I took back. If, if, give it, <laughs> you know, I take it back. Because no, because now I'm like, as soon as you said it, I was like, well, shit, like, if Stark Towers, which Peter is like, yeah. that's Tony's Tower, became Oscorp, I'd be like, well, no, that's some bullshit. <laughs> like, now, now I'm back in. I'm back in, John. You sold me. You sold me on it. I would, but I, I think a better Green Goblin needs to come. People liked the James Franco. I did not. People liked the Dane DeHaan. I did not. I have not seen a good Green Goblin, which makes me weary or leery well, of seeing another Green Goblin. You know what, though? I'd like to see a, a good Doc Ock like I saw with Alfred Molina. I, yes. I or would love even to see a, a good, female one like we saw in Spider-Verse. I would love both of those things. But actually, now that you're saying it, yeah. I was being a little bit facetious, and now I'm actually thinking about it. Um, Tony Stark is a billionaire tech businessman. And if all of a sudden somebody came in to yeah. replace Tony Stark and fill that void and it was a Norman Osborn who sort of was becoming a new Stark, it actually, I mean, that would be fucking brilliant. Yeah. So, okay, you well, know what? I changed my mind. <laughs> well, but, oh, so, so going forward. It's all about execution. C- cinematically, thinking yeah. about all three of the Spider-Man franchises that we have had, cinematically, right. what villains have not been touched yet in terms of Spidey's rogues, rogues gallery? It's mm, a good question. We've um, seen Sandman. We've seen Venom to a degree. We've Electro. 
No, well, like, no, oh, God. He was guys, I blo- guys, I literally blocked it out. <laughs> I literally blocked it out. Hold on, I'm actually going through the Is it only- Hobgoblin? We haven't gotten Hobgoblin yet, right? But we sort, sort of did. We sort of did. Uh... As soon as uh, Harry does anything with the Green Goblin suit, that technically okay. counts as a Hobgoblin. Gotcha. Um, I literally am going through the episodes yeah. in Spectacular Spider-Man in my head. <laughs> uh, we got Shocker. Shocker. Carn- uh, we haven't had we Carnage got Shocker. Yet. We right. got... Uh, oh, no, Carnage you kind of had. Yeah. The, uh, I don't want to talk about that. It Craven. God damn it. We haven't we gotten haven't Craven. Craven. If they do a third one with Craven, Sweet Mary, Mother of Christ. Look, they've gotten Vulture and Mysterio right. I have faith that they could do Craven now. Yeah. But is Craven a big enough threat to to surround an entire film with? Was Mysterio before I know, right? this? I mean, Mysterio. was the Vulture? <laughs> Neither of them were. Get out of here. <laughs> They got it, Shannon. They got it figured out. Okay, Chameleon. Have we seen Chameleon? Haven't no. seen Chameleon. Uh, Tinkerer, we kind of saw. Saw Tinkerer. Uh, Black Cat. We saw. Oh, Black Cat. Black Cat, they haven't That's done. right. We haven't done that. Felicia but, Hardy. But she might be tied up with the Sony films. Yeah, possible. If that Silver and Black actually ever happens. Possible. Maybe. Scorpions. I'm trying to think who else. Prime Master, uh, Molten Man. Negative Man. Looter. Okay. Robot Master. I still contend they have not done Rhino, whatever that <laughs> crap was. Morbius? Morbius now Morbi- with Jake Gyllenhaal. Morbius, oh, with yeah. uh, Jared Leto coming in. Man Wolf? No. <laughs> You're just going through the list. Mind Worm? <laughs> Mind Worm? Well, in Man Wolf, they. Is Man Wolf, was that Jameson's son? In, yeah. yeah. So they. I mean, the, his son's character was in, what, Spider Man 2, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, hmm. yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. But back to this though. I'm trying, to, many... I'm trying to think. What else can we say that's not a spoiler? Well, we about... can talk about the direction of the film. Did you enjoy the direction of John Watts? I did. You know why? Because it's 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 just a. This is where it's very much. In all of the the Tony Stark stuff, in all of the Peter Parker figuring out where he fits, uh, in in the post sort of snap world of everything that happened, it's very much a sequel to Endgame. Yeah. But tonally, it is a thousand percent a sequel to Homecoming. Yes. It is. These are the John Hughes movies of the Marvel Universe, Absolutely. and I'm a thousand percent here for it. The way they handle the students, the way they handle the high school stuff, and the thing that I will say, uh, and the thing that other movies, uh, the um, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies tried to get to and never get it, like they have nailed the soap opera of Peter Parker's life, sure, and the high schoolness of Peter Parker's life, and it's so refreshing, and it's just so much fun. I mean, like. I, aside from the Guardians movies, I don't think that there's a Marvel movie that makes me laugh as much as these movies do. Mm, that's fair. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think um, they're so. And I think what they also do is really show you the price of the life he's chosen and how it is which affecting. Is, which is essential to yes. doing a Peter Parker story. Exactly. And and they don't do it in a melodramatic way. Tom, that's why you cast someone like Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Tom Holland can show you so much in just a look. Or just in, like just a, a shift in his mouth. Yeah, you get that he's going through something. Yes, his you know? believe just the, his eyes. The believability, the, yeah. the the thing that a teenager they don't want to talk about their feelings and they try to brush it off and it just comes spilling out. Like you just see the damn break. Yeah. with him. The other thing that John Watts does in this direction, and also the story, and I don't want to spoil this, but the way they treat the five year gap, which they just lean into. I thought was incredible and yeah. brilliant. And look, I think this is and not funny as hell. It's not really a spoiler because Kevin Feige and everyone in Marvel said that like, this movie takes place post yeah. Endgame. They're going to deal yeah. with it, and they really deal with it right off the bat. I mean, they they yeah. establish everything, and it's great the way they do it. Uh, 
and it really does establish that the Marvel Universe isn't going to just pretend that this five-year gap happened for some people and not for others. Right, right. And the way they handle it is just hilarious. <laughs> and, I, and, and what a perfect way to do it to kind of show the seriousness, but at the same time, like standard MCU, show the humor behind it as well that it can be. And they do a great job of doing that in this movie. That's as close to spoiler as I'll get. Yeah, yep. right on. They set the tone right away. They really do. They really do. All right, well, uh, we're at 19 minutes, so we should probably wrap this non-spoiler review up. Uh Everybody go see it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to make you want to go watch Endgame again. I kind of want to go watch Endgame and then turn right around and go watch Far From Home again. It just, it's... Yeah, agreed. It really is, uh, you know, to wrap things up, I would say what Kevin Feige said is true. Endgame is the culmination of 10 years of Marvel movies, but Far From Home is the end of this phase of the Marvel Universe yeah. in all the best ways. Shannon? Yeah, totally agree with what Michael said. This was uh, a blast. And in a summer where... A lot of the hits that we were hoping for that they're just not quite delivering, Spider-Man Far From Home delivers in spades. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think it's the one sequel that's going to avoid underperforming or coming in and and not uh, impressing people, and I think that's a positive. It's may save the universe, and ironically, this may be the film and not the re-release that makes people go back to see Avengers Endgame and push it into the top, uh, top, top grossing film ever just on its initial release. It's not a so, re-release. Uh, well, <laughs> it hasn't been re-released, quote-unquote, yet. It and won't I, be a re-release when it comes out. It will be, but whatever. Hashtag Roka is wrong. Ha- Anyways. <laughs> hashtag Boba was insane. Uh, it's all right. Well, uh, if you go see it, let us know what you thought or what do you think of our non-spoiler review before you walk into the theater. Let us know. There, you know there's many ways that you can reach out to us. You can uh, follow us where, Shannon? On Twitter, at Geek underscore Buddies, and on Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. There you go. And Michael, what do you got to say? Uh, hey, uh, give us a follow, give us a listen, give us some reviews, give us some stars. Uh, we want to get up there in the ratings. Yep. And uh, and then you can follow me at MKToon. Follow me at The Roca Says. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Shannon underscore McClung, and on Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. There you go. All well, right. That's our, re- that's our non-spoiler review of uh, Spider-Man Far From Home from The Geek Buddies. Hey! hey! Hashtag Roca's wrong. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.